made known by the message of an angel, may, by his passion and cross, be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Catholic Radio for your soul. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. Live from the KATH 910 AM studios in Las Colinas and broadcasting across North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. This is The Good News Show. And good afternoon and welcome to The Good News Show, the shortest introduction of any show on radio, but I love it. I love how we just get right <laughs> get to the right point, to the you point. know? Waste I mean, that, no time. I think it's like 10 seconds long, I know, it? it is. It's really short. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Sometimes those introductions just give you way too much information, but uh, anyways, uh, welcome. This is The Good News Show. I'm Dave Palmer. That is Cecil Anderson on the other side of the glass. And this is uh, once a week we come to you and let you know what is going on in North Texas and uh, introduce you to some great guests. In fact, today at about 10 after, we are going to be joined via phone with Jonathan Sines, who is the president and founder of Texas Values. They're located online at txvalues.org. And he's going to give us, now that we've had about a, almost a week to mm-hmm. kind of digest the election and all the things that happened last week, uh, just kind of a synopsis of what's going on in Texas and uh, nationwide is the, you know, they keep talking about this blue wave that's going to sweep over Texas and uh, hasn't really happened yet. But uh, whether there uh, is this is something that's imminent and I only ask him his predictions for uh, later this year, the, the midterm elections and. Also, 2024, who he thinks may be running against whom in the presidential election. So what we got a lot to talk about. Later on, at about 12.33, we're going to be joined in studio. Uh, I, I love these uh, testimonies that we get. Uh, and thanks to the folks at the CPLC for lining these up, uh, particularly Annette Kearns. Uh, we are going to be joined in studio with Bernice Simmons, who's a counselor and works on Rachel's Vineyard Retreats. And uh, she is going to be talking about an upcoming Rachel's Vineyard Retreat for um, women who have uh, suffered the pains of abortion, which is coming up and uh, very soon. In fact, I think it, uh, it's uh, yeah March 18th through 20th. That's very, very soon. Also, uh, Marjorie Looney, and she said I can use her last name, is going to talk about the grief of, of her own abortion, how it affected her life, and how she found peace with God uh, with the help of Rachel's Vineyard Retreat. Uh, I don't know if you heard us talking, uh, Marjorie's here, and she said her last name is Looney, and she kind of said kind of like Looney Tunes, you know, and she said, you'll never guess what my maiden name was. Did you hear that story? I didn't hear the, what the maiden okay. name was, no. I'll let her tell the oh, story. Great. It's really I'm funny. So you marry it. a guy named Looney, and her, <laughs> it's, it's funny. <laughs> uh, anyways, lots to get to before we get to Jonathan Signs. and uh, first off, uh, we have a share coming up in... Uh, a few. <laughs> you know, news to me. No, you don't know about this? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be uh, March. What are the dates? The uh, 22nd. Oh, through you would th- ask no, no, that. it's 22 through 25. Yeah, 22 through 25. And you still need a few volunteers for that Thursday? I do. So that Thursday, the 24th, we have the call center in at Dallas. And our afternoon shift is taken care of. But our morning shift, which
which is 7 a.m. to 1 p.m., is in still need of three volunteers to come in. And uh, it's kind of a, just a fun day. No experience necessary. I mean, if you <laughs> are able to use a computer, that's helpful. Um, but uh, it's it's pretty simple. You're just typing in people's information, answering the phones. Uh, I will train you. I'll give you instructions beforehand so you can go over them. And it's just a lot of fun to hang out with some people, uh, other Catholic radio lovers, and uh, you eat yummy food yeah. and just socialize because there's downtimes during the hour. You're not taking phone calls. Back when you and I were on the air? Yeah, no one calls in yeah. when we are on the air. That's when everyone turns the radio off. Uh, no. <laughs> well, when someone starts singing uh, Spice Girls, usually yeah, that's, that that's is what happens. not a crowd pleaser. <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it's a great time to meet other uh, Catholics and just... Uh, build up community, and give back to Catholic Radio. And like I said, there's always yummy food. All right, very good. So uh, other things to talk about. Uh, Cecil had a chance last Friday to go to downtown Dallas, and she was involved in a, they call it a movie press junket mm-hmm. for movies that are coming out. Uh, before we talk about that and who you got to interview, which is pretty interesting, this new movie that's coming out, there's another movie called Man of God. And it is about an exile, an unjustly exiled um, Saint Nectarius of Aegina, a priest of the common people. Uh, it happened in, in Egypt. And some of y'all may have heard of this, uh, this movie. Well, it's coming out. It's only going to be in theaters for two days, Monday, March 21st and Monday, March 28th. And I have some tickets to this movie, uh, Man of God, and, you know, we need good stories about good, holy, brave, bold uh, people. Like, I, I, I got to be honest, I've never heard of this guy, uh, but I know some people are, are pretty excited about this. St. Uh, Nectarius of Aegina. And if you'd like to go to this, we have tickets for the Cinemark 17 at Webb Chapel in Dallas, uh, Cinemark West Plano in Plano, and Cinemark 14 in Rockwall. I've got about 10 tickets for each of those theaters and you can either go Monday, March 21st, which is two weeks from today, uh, or M- Monday, March 28th, which is three weeks from today. And if you want tickets, uh, email me, DavePalmer at grnonline.com. And uh, be sure to tell me, do you want to go to Dallas, Plano, or Rockwall? Okay, Dallas, Plano, or Rockwall, and I'll give you two tickets. All right, so email me, DavePalmer at grnonline.com. All right, Cecil, whom did you meet last Friday and which movie? I'm so, I'm so excited <laughs> to find out about this. So the movie is Father Stew, which stars Mark Wahlberg. And that happened to be the guy that I got to talk to yeah, and cool. interview. Yeah. Yes. I love, I've never done a press junket like this before. And of course, the first time that I do it, it's Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. And I'm like, really, we couldn't have gone with like a, you know, a C-list actor or something like yeah. that. Um, I, it was definitely a unique experience. He was very, very kind. I will put that out there. He is very down to earth. Um, he, you know, doing this all day long and was very invested in the interview. Um, I was like, a nervous wreck, <laughs> but um, but he he gave some great answers to the questions. So I uh, can't release this until the movies uh, the week of the movie release. So we'll post it probably on our YouTube uh, channel so we get to see it then. Um, but yeah, so he's talking about this movie about Father Stew about a priest who comes from being a boxer. I mean, uh, well, it's a gentleman who became was a boxer, had a bit of a weird background, very rough, um, and he has this kind of come to Jesus conversion. Yeah, and becomes yeah. a priest. Yeah, I mean, you know, to be fair... True story, by the way. Yeah, I mean, to, to be fair, Mark Wahlberg has been involved in some yes, questionable in, movies. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, I mean, we're all works in progress. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't know what his future movies are going to be. 
uh, he was interested in this project. I know he, he and his wife are. He's the producer are, of the project. It was actually it, this project wouldn't have happened without. Yeah, him. Yeah. Okay. So he, he it was his mm-hmm. his thing. Mm-hmm. And um and I I don't know that much about him. I know his brother was in the New Kids in the Block, Donnie Wahlberg. <laughs> but I really don't. I, I don't know that I've ever seen it on uh, a Mark Wahlberg movie. I hadn't until I watched. Uh, yeah. I knew who Mark Wahlberg was, but I hadn't seen a movie until I watched uh, Father Stew uh, for a screening of it. But uh, no, it's a it's a very well done movie. All right. Very good. Uh, all right, a few other things. Uh, very important event coming up tonight. I only found this uh, out about this today, and boy, I just got started getting bombarded with emails and uh, even calls about this. Uh, thanks to my friends uh, Margie and Mary and also Heidi. Uh, tonight at St. Anne's Parish in Capel, this is something that you might very much be interested in. Father John Anthony with the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, is going to be given a presentation. Called, it's tonight and tomorrow, 7 to 8.30 p.m. at St. Anne's Capel, Our Lady's Plan for Peace. And this is going to be tied into the end times, preparation for what's going on in the world today. Uh, my friend Mary was at Mass yesterday at uh, St. Anne's, and she said he is a powerful, powerful preacher. Uh, he doesn't, you know, mince words. He's straightforward. He'll, you know, he's, you know, you know, he's that kind of guy. In fact, he's from the Dallas area. He, I guess he grew up in Highland Park and now he's a Franciscan friar of the renewal. And again, that's going to be Father John Anthony. If you're interested or concerned about what's going on in the world and, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I have gotten more and more serious about all this stuff that's going on, uh, all this stuff about the World Economic Forum. And I don't know if Father's going to be talking about this. I'm, I'm just talking from a personal standpoint. Uh, Klaus Schwab and all this nonsense that the World Economic Forum is doing, transhumanism, and, you know, they, they've got people saying they're going to take away free will and all this, all this, you know, they're their words, not mine. This nonsense of, you know, God up above the clouds. And this is some weird stuff that's going on. Um, in fact, I just want to say I recommend this this video. J.P. Sears is a, committee, a co- comedian a satirist. And he put out a video called, Is Klaus Schwab the Most Dangerous Man in the World? It's on YouTube. I highly, highly recommend it. It's very, very good. Uh, all right, so that's tonight. Um, next Monday, a gentleman by the name of Alan Ames is coming for a healing service uh, at the Highlands School in Irving. And it's going to be Monday, March 14th, so a week from today, 6.30 p.m. There's confession, mass, talk, healing. A lot of people are telling me about this. Uh, he's a Catholic evangelist with the gift of healing, and the, he's the author of Through the Eyes of Jesus, uh, Alan Ames. And, uh, yeah, Alan Ames, A-L-A-N-A-M-E-S dot org is his website. So a healing service, and, uh, again, people I trust are, are promoting this. And, of course, the Highlands, we have a great relationship with them. Uh, and other, real quickly, two other things I want to mention before we go to Jonathan Sines and talk about the elections last week. Uh, the, the, the North Texas Catholic Men's Conference is still a ways away. It's April 30th. Uh, like, everything's going on that day, right? The, the CPS, <laughs> That's always how we Catholics do it. We all pile it into one weekend. But I think you could do it all. Cause yeah, you, I think you, you could. If you're a man, which I know you aren't. So, <laughs> so I can't do it no, all. <laughs> you, you, can't go to the, you can't go to the men's conference unless you're like volunteering or something. But anyways, the men's conference, there may be, there may be some changes in the, in the speakers, but what they have right now, Dave Moore music, he, he's outstanding. Uh, Terry Barber, Father Edwin Leonard, of course, the pastor of St. Anne's, Annie Hickman. And this is going to be at um, St. Anne's in, in Capel, Saturday, April 30th. It's a morning like 8 a.m. to, to 12.30 p.m. or something like that. Uh, CatholicBrothersForChrist.com. Some of the, the Brothers for Christ are coming into studio 
today later on to record an interview and some spots, so you'll begin to hear a whole lot more about that. I am seeing it. I'm really excited about this, uh, the men's conference. So, uh, gentlemen, please make plans to, to go to this event on Saturday, April 30th. Uh, the other thing, real quickly before we get to Jonathan, I'm also going to be emceeing the 25th annual Night of Thanks, uh, Noche de Gracias is what they call it. It's a fundraiser and celebration for Casada High School. And being the father of a special needs uh, uh, boy, my, my, our son is eight years old, this school really, really touches my heart. It's not just for special needs kids. It's kids who are in uh, challenging, unique circumstances, and there's a whole lot of different examples. But um, I could see my son g- going to Casada one day, um, but they're having their... Noche de Gracias event. I'm emceeing it. Joti Garcia's, which is a cool Mexican restaurant in Fort Worth, April 26th. It's a Tuesday evening. Doors open at six. Uh, dinner and program begins at seven o'clock p.m. And uh, so please come out and and you may not even have heard of this school. It's small. It's in Fort Worth. It's an official diocesan school, uh, but they're do- really doing great things for uh, kids in just difficult circumstances. Maybe they've been bullied, or maybe they just you know they, they had a teenage pregnancy, or there's you know maybe a special need or a learning difficulty, or or, or just any a lot of circumstances. But uh, the school really touches my heart, and I and I I love to. Be be involved with them. Uh, it's casadahs.org. I think it's no is their website. Casada two s is one t in Casada, and go check it out. And hopefully, you can go to that event. All right, do we have Jonathan? All right, we have got him. Jonathan Signs. Uh, I love talking to Jonathan because he has got his finger on the pulse of all things going on. Uh, he is president and founder of Texas Values. You can find him online at txvalues.org. Their mission is to preserve and advance a culture of family values in the state of Texas. Uh, they stand for biblical Judeo-Christian values by ensuring Texas is a state in which religious liberty flourishes, families prosper, and every human life is valued. Jonathan Signs. good afternoon. How are you doing? Dave, I'm great. Good to be with you. Hey, do you take the week after the election off and just kind of, you know, lie in a hammock for about a week and, you know, sip martini and just kind of chill? Or are you just like right back at it after a big week like last week? You know, I mean, I get more energy off of stuff like that. So, I mean, I couldn't even sleep the night of the election. I came in ready to rock and roll. And so, no, I did not. And, you know, because there's... And there's a lot to talk about, right? You kind of unpack what happened. You want to see how things turned out. And so I, you know, it's, it's things that I enjoy. I love being involved in election related work, covering it or talking to people about it. And, you know, I interact with a lot of elected officials. So I feel like I've got a, a good ability to describe maybe a little few more details that people don't know that are maybe below the surface from what people see and some good takeaways. And so, you know, I don't, but I'm taking off next week, so you caught me in a good time. <laughs> okay, general impressions, uh, particularly in the state of Texas, with what happened last uh, last Tuesday. Well, look, I mean, one of the big stories is turnout. Um, and it's hard to think what you want about primary election turnouts, but there was a lot of discussion about the number of Republican voters in the Republican primary ver- versus um, the ones in the Democratic primary. And so the, the Republican voters, as far as that, that went to their primary elections, were almost twice as many as what Democrats saw turn out. And so maybe there weren't as many races that Democrats felt like were as competitive. But I do think it's something to see as far as the interest, the enthusiasm. So that was one thing. Um, I think for both parties, the governor's race got a lot of attention. Uh, you know, so I'm sure people saw Greg Abbott, our incumbent governor, moves forward. Um, I think the second place um, vote getter was Alan West. 
Governor Abbott was a little more than 66% and Alan West was a little over 12%. So a big gap there. You know, I think he can say that he won convincingly and he can, he'll continue that momentum or whatever in November where he now is going to face Beto O'Rourke. And so some huge contrasts between the two of them, but certainly uh, names that people know well. I, governor Abbott was not only our governor now for two terms, but he also was our attorney general. He was on the Texas Supreme Court. Beto O'Rourke for Democrats, someone that's run a few times unsuccessfully um, at the state level and, um, and for president, but certainly someone that people will know a lot. And so I think those were at the top. But I mean, a lot of races down the ballot because you had a redistricting year. So a lot of different lines changed. So there was like a, a lot of open seats um, where people were involved in races they hadn't been before. Maybe you voted in a different district than you were used to. And so, um, but there are a lot of runoffs. Uh, so, so we're not done with this sort of recent cycle and we don't have to wait until November. Runoff elections are the main day is Mar- May 24th, but runoff elections start a week before there's early voting. And so there are some statewide uh, positions that are going to run off on the Republican side and the Democrat side. <clears throat> And so I know one getting a lot of attention around circles I'm around is is uh, the attorney general's race. So Kim Paxson is the incumbent, but he is now in a runoff um, moving forward against George P. Bush. And um, so are so is the land commissioner race and a few others. But then for your for your Dallas Fort Worth area listeners, there's a couple of Texas House seats that are going to a runoff. The, the seat vacated by Matt Krause, House District 93 or, you know, names that people may not be as familiar with. These are people, this was a seat that opened up. You've got Tarrant County races, um, uh, one that Matt Krause is in and others for district attorney. Those seats are going to a runoff. And then you've got House District 91, which is also part of Tarrant County, but touches um, the cities of Fort Worth, North Richland Hills, and, and Halton City and a few others. Um, that is an incumbent. That's Stephanie Click, who's being challenged, um, excuse me, by David Lowe. And so Stephanie Click, um, she had a bill passed um, on the life issue to end abortion drugs and support of the heartbeat law. And um, her challenger, David Lowe, is um, the two of them are headed to a runoff. And David Lowe is supported by a lot of people that oppose the heartbeat law. And the heartbeat law actually was voted out of Stephanie Click's district. And so that might be an issue that pro-lifers um, care about. And so but uh, a lot of, you know, a lot still to happen just in the next two months for the runoff elections before we head forward to a big, big um elections in November. Yeah. yeah. You, you mentioned Alan West and uh, also Don Huffine, so you didn't mention him specifically, but I I, I thought that they that their results were, were pretty respectable. I watched, I mean, Don Huffine's, uh, you know, really worked hard at this, and I saw signs everywhere. Uh, do you think, granted, you said, you know, Abbott got 66% of the vote, but do you think uh, what will be the, the, the lasting effect of, of the run of those two gentlemen in particular? Well, I think the lasting, hopefully the lasting effect will be for people that are, you know, that care about the Republican Party is maybe there were some new voters that showed up that weren't there before and that they'll stay engaged moving forward. <clears throat> you know, because you've got runoff elections, you've got elections going into November. And so, um, you know, I think that would be, you know, if they care about issues, I mean, we, um, a lot of them I know care about issues of life and other things that I care about, religious liberty. And so you hope they'll stay engaged. And they'll uh, they'll come back to the ballot. And, you know, sometimes you'll see if, if, you know, someone's candidate doesn't win, you know, they'll say, oh, well, you know, they'll just kind of throw their hands up and um, and go on and do something else. And so I think that would be really interesting to see if that carries forward. And I think, 
for Republicans and people that care about life issues and so on. The Republican Party certainly is usually more supportive of life and religious freedom than the Democratic Party, in my opinion. So I think that's the hope is hopefully you'll see that moving forward. And so but it did create a lot of attention. There was a lot of activity in the Republican primary and the governor's Republican primary. And I, and I think you could say arguably more uh, than we've seen in some time. But as as things move forward, uh, you know, that's what I think um, could be of real value. And it'll be real interesting to see if those voters decide to uh, continue to stay engaged moving forward. Yeah. Jonathan Sines joining us, president of Texas Values. You can find him online, txvalues.org. I always go to his website. Where, right before, Literally, as I was heading out to the polls, I went to your website to, to find out you know, what you thought about different races. And so I always trust your opinion on these things. Uh, you, Jonathan, you, know, you mentioned the, the, the lower turnout on the Democratic side. And you know that might have been you know, due to the fact that, like, on the top of the ticket, that, you know, Beto didn't really have much competition. But I, I want to get your impression that, you know, they talk about this blue wave that keeps, you know, threatening Texas, and especially with people from California coming in. I remember when uh, Beto ran against, uh, you know, Ted Cruz for the Senate race. I mean, y- you know, I mean, it was like Beto mania. I mean, I saw yard signs all over the place, and he was going to these rallies. I mean, people were, you know, love him or hate him. People were excited about this guy, and you know, and he, you know, came pretty close to beating, you know, to to to, to he challenged Cruz. I'm not getting that same sense this time. I don't. I don't really feel like there's a, a Beto mania going on, and I don't see the signs. I don't see the bumper stickers. Do you get the same sense that it's kind of fizzled out? Well, look, I mean, let's remember, four years ago, uh, Beto O'Rourke came very close to winning statewide election, and not only his race, but our current attorney general, Ken Paxton, won by a razor-thin margin. And so the people may not remember that, you know, all those statewide races were on the ballot. It just so helped happen, it fell on that cycle where you had a Senate seat up, Senator Cruz. It doesn't always break, doesn't always fall down that way or come down that way that you'll see a federal election of that level that is also statewide, but then also in our regular statewide positions, if that makes sense to people, because senators have six-year terms, but that's just the way it broke down that year. And the reason I'm saying that is there's not a U.S. Senate candidate on the ballot this time, so though, so that's um, that matters. But it was a big deal four years ago, and I think that's important for people when they think about if they're voting Republican or Democrat. Republicans have held statewide office for quite a long time. I think it's been over 20 years since Democrats have won a statewide office and Beto almost did that. And so did uh, whoever was running against uh, Paxton four years ago. And so but it's different now. I think a lot of that is because Bet- people didn't know much about Beto O'Rourke or, you know, they didn't know as much as they do now. They didn't realize that he was going to be someone who w- would support um, removing the tax exempt status of some churches just because they believe in the biblical definition of marriage, that he was so radically pro-abortion. And in some of the other things people have learned about him. Um, since that time. And so I think that helps when voters get to learn about a candidate more. And then you see that, you know, that fever, or whatever, cool off. But you're right. It was all over the place. I mean, you saw the signs everywhere. And I don't think I think it's important for people to not take for granted that that couldn't happen again. Um, you know, it's hard to recreate that because, you know, he was new on the scene in some ways. And so there was a lot of interest and enthusiasm. But, you know, Democrats are going to be ready going into November. I mean, they felt like four years ago they were close to getting a statewide. And so and with someone like Beto who's at the top of the ticket, you might see a lot of money come in just for that race that could make a difference. And I think, you know, Governor Abbott's got a lot of strong support. Like a lot of uh, name ID and for, um, you know, for pro-lifers, there's a lot of significant things that people can look at 
and his support for religious liberty and other issues. Uh, but you get towards November, you would likely to see a lot of money come in and a lot of new activity. But I think um, the more people learned about Beto O'Rourke, that's what that's what you know really hurt him the most when they realize how extreme some of his policies are or um, things they didn't know about before. Um, that's been you know part of why there's not as much interest. Uh, but look, there's a lot of time between November and people a lot of times don't make their decisions about elections until right up to the election. So I wouldn't take anything for granted. Yeah. And I think that comment, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, you know, he said, heck yeah, I'll take your AR-15s away, you know, when he was running for president. I don't think that is going to age well when you're running. Well, he's for- not backed away from it either. I think I saw him um, this year towards the end of last year sort of repeat that. I mean, uh, you know, those those things matter to voters. Yeah. Yeah. Second Amendment in Texas. I think uh, people kind of like it. You know, what What about the, you know, personal liberties? It's it's funny how, you know, people think you know the, these big issues kind of come and go and like vaccine mandates and face masks and, you know, the whole COVID-19 kind of cooled off now. And I don't know if that's timed out because there's an election coming up. But do you think uh, the, the personal liberties that seem to be really jeopardized and uh, in many cases, I think, infringed upon in the last couple of years. Is that continuing to be on, on voters' minds and some of the people that uh, didn't respect personal liberties? I mean, I still think you see some talk about it, and I don't want to downplay it, but it has been some time. And now you've got a lot of attention around what is the federal government going to do to to impose those things? Because uh, that's really where you see a continuation of those things. Any people that we're doing at the state level or maybe local uh, level, you know, it's been almost two years. And so the real concern is, I mean, look, you think about a lot of your listeners that are pro-life, we're on the cusp, if you will, a decision in June of Roe versus Wade being overturned because of a case out of Mississippi that is a direct challenge to Roe versus Wade. You've got the Biden administration reiterating how much they support Roe versus Wade and, and abortion on demand. The Biden administration has been one of the biggest critics of the Texas heartbeat law without question. One of the strongest pro-life laws ever passed in the state of Texas. And if not the country, I mean, you've got almost 30,000 lives that have been saved since September 1st last year. And you've got last week, right? The um, Senate was voting after Car- uh, House had already voting on this to put Roe versus Wade into our federal law. So you've got a really big divide between both of the parties and factions, one who's really in the past, right? Roe versus Wade is about to be overturned, in my opinion, and a lot of that is because of the culture. So they're going to try to do everything at the federal level to, to try to restrict us from what we want to do at the state level. Remember, if Roe versus Wade is overturned, that doesn't mean that things are completely over on the life issue. It's, it'll be a big deal without doubt. And I think the heartbeat law has been a part of that equation, but it just goes back to the states. Now, we also have a law in place, um, kind of anecdotally called the trigger ban. It just means that if Roe versus Wade is overturned, it triggers or it puts into place a ban on abortion throughout our state. Um, but you, but the other, the abortion groups and so on, and the people that they elect are going to try to find a way to chip away at that. They're going to still fight on that. And so I think the life issue as we move towards November is going to be absolutely enormous. I think it's going to be key at the state level and for some of the uh, congressional seats and so on. I think it's going to be one of the biggest issues that we'll see voters caring about. Yeah. Talk about the uh, the whole Texit and secession. Is that something that you think anybody's taking seriously? And do you think in our lifetime... Uh, that might become a, a bigger issue if they, especially if things get a little crazier at the federal level. What, what, do, you, what do you think of the whole secession idea? I, well, look, there are people that take it seriously and that they're serious about their support of it. 
Um, I don't think it's something that you're going to see uh, a result in some difference in you know the governance of our state. But I think it's a reflection and an expression of a concern about people feeling like their liberties are being restricted. And a lot of it has to do with their concern about the federal government. You know, and, and one of the reasons Roe versus Wade is, I feel like, on the cusp of being overturned is because of Supreme Court nominees that the Trump administration put in that people felt like could be key to that. Now you've got a Supreme Court justice opening. You're going to see this fight really play out at the federal level. And so you might see more of that. And, and I don't think the Supreme Court should have as much power as it does. I mean, that's a big part of it. But I think the more that you see the federal government, particularly a government, uh, a Biden administration, I think you're going to see more talk about uh, issues like this. And I, and I do think people are very serious about it. I don't think it's going to be um, – it's going to result to some some difference in our state, but I again I think it's a reflection of people feeling like they want to make sure people they elect represent them, and they don't want the federal government telling them what to do, and they don't like it if they feel like county or state officials are starting to to act like what you see coming from um, the Biden administration in Washington. That's why you saw down South Texas the numbers of Republican voters that switched from Democrat to Republican or that voted in elections in South Texas for the Republican Party in some counties were through the roof. I think there was an increase in 400% in one county because people are making up their mind on their own. I mean, the issues matter to them more than some old school um, political loyalty. And if a party moves too far away from certain principles, people will, you know, they've got an option and they'll choose another one. Mm -hmm. Tell us uh, on a national level, come November, you know, I think there's been over 30 Democratic uh, U.S. representatives that have uh, resigned, you know, said they're not running again, which is never a good sign for a party. Uh, do, you, do you expect it's going to be a kind of Republican bloodbath uh, in both the House and the Senate? And do you think the Republicans will take over both of those chambers? Well, look, I mean, first of all, anyone that's running for office should always run like they're going to lose and the other part person has a 10 or 15 point advantage at the polls. I mean, that's the smart way to do it. So I don't think any elected official should take anything for granted. There certainly is a mood in Texas and across the country that people are frustrated by the current state of the economy and a lot of other issues, and they don't feel like elected officials are listening to them. Some of those people that are resigning or that have left office is because of a redistricting year in Texas. So every 10 years, we redraw the lines. And so sometimes lines get drawn differently and people realize, oh, it might be harder for me to get it reelected. Or now I'm, you know, have, you know, it's a different part of the, the state that I'm responsible for that I'm not used to. And so some of that's just naturally happening. But um, I do think because uh, particularly in Texas with the Biden administration, a lot of the way that people want to push back against the Biden administration is by running for office themselves and wanting to have more of an influence on in, in what's done than what we see at Washington. And so, again, I wouldn't uh, – people shouldn't take anything for granted. If there's a candidate they support, an issue that matters to them at the poll, um, you know, it's up – I mean, in many ways it can be up for grabs, but it's dependent on how much you care about it how much you're willing to get your people out there and make a difference. I mean, the come and take it flag is not just a slogan, right? I mean, yeah. there are some people from other states that are here that would love to come and take it. And so I think that's the smart way um, is to, to run that way and believe that it's all up for grabs 
and to take nothing for granted going into November. Amen. Jonathan, thanks so much. Uh, TXValues.org is the website. Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. And, you know, you mentioned about the uh, new the Supreme Court justices that President Trump uh, put on. I, I believe there are three of them. And it just it, yep. it reminds us uh, elections have consequences. And uh, we're going to see, the probably, like you say, the overturning of Roe v. Wade because of it. Uh, real quickly, just have about 30 seconds. Anything you want to say about Texas Values or events coming up or anything? Yeah. In, especially in the DFW area? Yeah, well, look, I mean, first of all, um, we've got a new website, TexasHeartbeatLaw.com, and it's not just about how the heartbeat law works. That is there. But if women are looking for resources, if you run a pregnancy care center or an entity that supports women on these issues and you want to be listed on the website, it's a way to get resources and to get information to people that supports the issue of life. We're going to be having some events up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area very soon, so check our website for those updates. And, and Dave, just again, I appreciate you letting me come on and, and connecting with uh, so many great folks in the area, and I look forward to coming back soon. Yeah, all right. Jonathan, thanks so much. Good talking with you. He's you a bet. great guest. Uh, Jonathan Signs, TXValues.org, and uh, didn't catch that other website, Texas Heartbeat Law. Not, uh, well, yeah, you can probably do a search for it. But uh, anyway, Jonathan, thanks so much for being on with us. And you mentioned about the Privacy Resource Centers. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, abortion, the effects of abortion in our next segment. Uh, quick break here. As uh, we go to break, uh, we are going to be joined uh, in studio with uh, Bernice Simmons, professional counselor and therapist with Rachel's Vineyards Retreats. And also Marjorie Looney is going to share her story of how the grief of an abortion affected her life and how she found peace with God, with the help of a Rachel's Vineyard retreat. There is a retreat coming up in just a couple of weeks. And let me just remind you also real quickly that I I have received some emails about the Man of God movie, and this is a movie about uh, the life of St. Nectarios of Aegina, uh, persecution and prosecution. Uh, This took place, it's a real story, it took place in Egypt, uh, and I, I have, anyways, if you'd like to go to this movie, either Monday, March 21st or Mar- Monday, March 28th, I have some tickets for the uh, a theater in Dallas, a theater in Plano, and a theater in Rockwall. And so email me if you want to go. Make sure you tell me which of those cities you'd like to see the movie, either uh, Monday the 21st or Monday the 28th. It's a, it's a good movie. It's being promoted by Carmel Communications. My email address is davepalmer at grnonline.com. Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. All right, it's time for a break, and we'll come back and talk about Rachel Vineyard's uh, retreat right after this. Keeping you informed and inspired. Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time, heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. News and information, Catholic conversation, inspiration, fun, and prizes are involved. Log on to our website to get all the details, to find all the information, the podcast, the videos, and so much more. grnonline.com. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God love you. Have you ever heard of Esther Fernandez, a realtor with JP and Associates and a sponsor here on KATH 910 AM? She's a parishioner at Holy Spirit Parish in Duncanville and a supporter with GRN. Interest rates are currently low and there are first-time buyer programs available for teachers, nurses, police, and firefighters. You can reach Esther by calling 214-845-1753 or by email at estherfernandez at gmail.com. That's E-S-T-H-E-R-Z Fernandez at gmail.com. 
Hi, this is Dave Palmer. I hope that you're enjoying the wonderful, unique Catholic programming here on KTH 910 AM and the Guadalupe Radio Network. If so, I ask you to please prayerfully consider supporting the GRN by calling in with a pledge of financial support during our upcoming Spring Sherathon, which will be Tuesday, March 22nd through Friday, March 25th with a theme of Made for Mission. And if you're interested in offering a matching gift for the Sherathon, please contact me, Dave Palmer, at grnonline.com. KTH 910 AM welcomes Emerson on Harvest Hill as a new sponsor. It's a senior living community in North Dallas near St. Rita Parish. Amenities include chef-prepared meals each day, transportation, social and educational events and activities, 24-hour security, as well as participation in the sacraments. To learn more about Emerson on Harvest Hill or to arrange a tour and visit, you can contact Karen Ray via email at kray at emersonharvesthill.com or you can visit their website, emersononharvesthill.com. Would you like to support a wonderful Catholic school here in North Texas doing great things to bless students who are in unique and challenging situations in life? Hi, this is Dave Palmer, and I am very excited to be the MC for the 25th Annual Noche de Gracias Night of Thanks benefiting Casada High School in Fort Worth. The event will be the evening of Tuesday, April 26th at Joti Garcia's Restaurant in Fort Worth. To purchase your tickets or to learn more about Noche de Gracias, visit CasadaHS.org and click on the Make a Difference tab. Hear that? That's St. Francis Village, a Catholic retirement community located in southwest Fort Worth on Benbrook Lake, a quiet place in a 250-acre country setting where you will love to live, enjoy the deer and turkeys, and walk to daily mass. If you are 62 and independent, call Mike at 817-292-5786 to get on the wait list and begin enjoying your retirement. Cottage rates starting at under 900 a month include utilities. Call St. Francis Village and ask for Mike, 817-292-5786. All right, this is the Good News Show, and it is right at 1236. Uh, for the remainder of the program, we're going to talk about an upcoming Rachel's Vineyard uh, retreat in English. It's going to be March 18th through the 20th, begins Friday evening, ends Sunday afternoon. Of course, it's confidential, and you can call if, if you have suffered from the pains of an abortion uh, 214-544-2273 or 214-544-CARE is how it is spelled out. Joining me in studio, uh, again, both of these are returning guests, uh, Bernice Simmons, a professional counselor and therapist for Rachel's Vineyard Retreats, and also uh, Marjorie Looney is going to share her story of how the grief of an abortion affected her life and how she found peace with God, with the help uh, of a Rachel's Vineyard retreat. So uh, thanks to both of you for being here. Nice to see you again. Thank you. And Marjorie, this is the first time that you've been in studio, right? You've been on the phone before. And I, I, I you know, I know this is a, a serious topic and, and a heavy topic, and you're going to tell your story, which uh, I'm sure is, you know, painful, but also, uh, you know, wonderful because you found healing. But I mentioned that you married a gentleman by the, with the last name of Looney, and yes. you told me, and make sure you come up real close to the mic so we okay. can hear you real well. Um, you told me a funny story about uh, your maiden name. So you, you, you married Looney, but before you were married, what was your last name? Oh, yes. My last name is Looney. My maiden name was Strange. So my husband's claim to fame is that he, I grew up strange and he made me Looney. So, <laughs> was that, yes. I bet you, I, I'm sure that 
came out on the first date, right? Was that kind of funny? Yes, But you're did. probably not talking about getting married to each other yet. But, uh, not yet, but The fact yeah. that you both had <laughs> interesting names, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And Bernice, you didn't know that, did you? No, I did not. The things you learn about... Uh, <laughs> all right, well, let's, uh, let's get a little more serious here and talk about this upcoming retreat because a lot of people are out there suffering, walking wounded. Um, uh, Bernice, is this a, a women's retreat specifically for women, right? Actually, no. Oh, it's the, not. the Rachel's Vineyard, it's not just for women. Okay. Like on many retreats, we'll have uh, spouses, like couples come. And so there are men on these retreats. Sometimes it's a couple. Sometimes it's a man who was affected by the retreat. Men also have the option for Project Joseph. But the Rachel's Vineyard retreat does allow for men to come on it as well, especially if you are in some way tied in yeah. some way with a woman who has experienced abortion, whether you right. have or not. If the child aborted was your own as the father, or you have uh, you are now in a relationship with a woman and she has an abortion in her history, we invite you as the man in her life now to come on the retreat as well to share in that healing and to further understand what she's been through and especially like the grief and, and how the healing works. Mm-hmm. So yes, absolutely. We have men on the Rachel's Vineyard retreats too. You have... Uh been involved with the Catholic pro-life com- uh, community and these Rachel's retreats for, for many years now, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. As a counselor, so talk about your role, uh, and I know you don't give a lot of specifics and all that, but uh, your role, generally speaking, over this weekend, uh, what are you there to do? Uh, one, as a counselor, we're there to help as people are discerning whether or not they're ready to attend a retreat. As a counselor, if there is some question for the person, we visit with them and help them to determine kind of based on where they are their own readiness for the retreat or if there's some work that we can do to help them one-on-one before the retreat Mm -hmm. to help them additionally as counselors who serve with rachel's vineyard we're there to help as possibly some continued care after rachel's so we don't just here's the retreat and then you're done if we as counselors can be helpful we provide that help as well on the retreat, um, the retreat itself does amazing work in helping on the healing journey. Uh, as a counselor, as a professional, sometimes we think there's a lot of work that we have to do. But what I've loved about working as a counselor in the Rachel's Vineyard is watching the retreat do the work. Mm-hmm. And then we're there as counselors to help watch the people for various things. If, if something gets to be sort of too much, we can help get them in a good place. And if they sort of seem to be hitting a roadblock or an obstacle of some sort with the counseling skills and techniques we can help them sort of push through that to continue on that healing for whatever might be blocking them. Yeah. I've seen this strange trend for uh, several years now uh, on Twitter or some social media platforms where women will, it's almost like celebrate their abortion or have you, I'm sure you all have seen this and it's really bizarre and I every time I see this I, I want to say a prayer for this woman because I, I know it's it's coming from a deep pain of why, how sure. they would possibly say you know, best decision I ever made or it's really weird. So let, let me ask you about some of the impact that um, abortion has on women and men that sometimes may lie latent for a while and maybe decades and then then come back or what, what, what what do you see? Okay, first on what you just said about the celebrating, I would offer that very possibly what's happening there is a cognitive distortion called substitution. Mm -hmm. When I have a difficult emotion that is so hard and can cause so much pain, I don't know what to do with it. And so I have some dialogue in me that says, no, can't feel that. I can't feel vulnerable. I can't feel sad. I can't feel concerned. The world tells me this is supposed to be okay, so I have to make it okay. So I will substitute the emotion of 
pain and hurt and grief and vulnerability and sadness, since I'm not supposed to have those, I will substitute to that with something opposite. Mm-hmm. So I can't feel this, so I can feel this. I can feel um, pride and excitement and joy. And so it becomes a cognitive distortion where it's a behavior to hide the truth. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. one of the things that happens. Now, the harder you are into that, then the more you will stay hidden and avoid the reality. You're, you're not working based on truth. You're base, working based on the sort of fake truth you've told yourself. Yeah. And that could put off how long you – before you recognize the pain of what you've experienced. Yeah. But you can recognize the pain of what you experienced many, many years later when your environment changes and you encounter something that reminds you of that pain and – there's not the rest of your environment trying to convince you you can't feel that. So, uh-oh, now it's coming up. What in the world? Why is this still bothering me when it's been so many years and I've been fine? Mm-hmm. Well, that just means your brain's functioning the way it's supposed to. Something in the here and now reminded you of the past and probably other aspects of your life are safer environmentally mm-hmm. for you socially. So you can now feel those things. So they're going to come up. And that's what we're here for, to be able to, whenever somebody's ready, whether it's immediately after or many, many years later, something in their life is going to trigger something, bring back those memories. You can't stop that from happening. Mm -hmm. And we're here to help you when that happens. Yeah. The retreat is March 18th through the 20th, a Friday through Sunday uh, for men and women and couples, anybody that's been impacted uh, because of the pain of an abortion, whether it was yours or, uh, you know, maybe you assisted or you paid for it or or any any way that this has been manifesting a lot of guilt and shame in your life. and, And you want to get that off of your shoulders through the help of the Holy Spirit. And, and God's amazing grace. Um, healing at racheldallas.org is the email that you can uh, you can email or call 214-544-2273. Uh, Bernice Simmons, professional counselor, uh, is here along with Marjorie Looney, who is uh, going to share her own uh, story uh, of abortion. So why don't you just... Uh, you know, to take a few minutes or, uh, or just tell, tell us what your story is, because this really personalizes it, and it's not just an abstract, it's a real-life situation. So th- thanks for joining us. I know it must be, you know, difficult to tell your story, but it also has a great ending. So, yeah, thank you, Marjorie. Absolutely. I really appreciate being here. Um, you know, everything that Bernice just said is me. That mm. is exactly who I am. Whenever I had my abortion, because it was back in 1984, I was a senior at Texas A&M, and it was, um, I was under the understanding and the belief, although as a cradle Catholic, that my baby was a clump of cells, and I, I, I cling to that, and back then, and that um, I needed a quick fix, like a lot of young girls do, do believe, and young men believe. So with it being said, as far as needing to be ready to grieve, that's where I was. Whenever I decided to abort my child, I did not look back after that. I ended up marrying the man and the, the young fella at the time, and we went on to be married for almost 20 years mm-hmm. and had four more children. So it was not even anything we spoke about. When it came to t- it came time and our children were growing, um, I knew more and more that I needed to deal with this. And it took a long time, and God was really, really patient because it took me 33 years to finally say yes to a Rachel's retreat. As I was going through those times, I there were grieving times 
when I look back that there were times I needed to grieve, but I didn't know why. There were times that I would think about, look at my four children and say, good grief, they're missing a sibling. There was something that I knew was missing in my life. And I decided, like Bernice said, really just to put that aside, focus on the joy and the happiness and everything else going on. Well, when I became, fast forwarding to 2010, a very dear friend of mine was telling her story. And I thought, okay, the only person that knows my story is my, my ex-husband at that time now and my sister, who I turned to. And she shared her story so bravely and I decided, all right, God, I'm going to reach out to her. Let, let me see what we can do, if there's really something that I need to deal with, because other people are so brave. So she, of course, immediately in 2010 said, Marjorie, Rachel's retreat. First, you must go to confession. First, you must do a Rachel's Vineyard retreat. Mm-hmm. And, of course, at the time, I, absolutely, I will do that. So I, um, I listened to that. However, in God's patience and his divine plan, it took me seven more years to actually go. Mm. I began working at uh, Loretto House in Denton. And, you know, we serve lots of moms, lots of dads who are also going through some of the same very, very scary decisions when they learn they're pregnant. And as I was sitting there in April of 2017 when I started working there, I knew I was holding something back and helping these women uh, because I also come from a counseling background, but I just knew in myself something was, was being held back. And it was very, very God-given that that fall of 2017, I we were able to go to a conference and uh, with other pregnancy centers. And I was sitting there with the first woman who was speaking, and she so freely and so openly spoke about her abortion. And here, this is something I've only told three people. So... I sat there, and God was just weighing on my heart. We went through those next few days. I was able to go finally come Saturday. All right, right, God, I'm going to open up. I went to my precious roommate, who was also from Loretto House, and I told her. And that weight was lifted. Some was lifted. And she prayed with me and cried with me. I'm like, all right, this is really hard, and it hurts, but it's a good hurt. Mm -hmm. So I went to somebody else, our sweet uh, center manager from Loretto House, Deborah Heron, and I went to her room that night, and I told her the same thing. We prayed, and I was like, all right, when I get home, we're calling Rachel's retreat. Well, I looked for, because I'm from Denton, I looked for the one in Fort Worth, and here this was October. It wasn't going to be until March. It's like, all right, God, you have a really great sense of humor. I will wait. Very good. <laughs> so I went, I, I that Monday I was you know, reaching out to the Fort Worth retreat, and that sweet roommate of mine who goes to St. Francis in Frisco, she sent me a snapshot of her bulletin at St. Francis, and they were the sponsor church for the next upcoming retreat in Dallas. Mm. She said, Marjorie, look at this, and that retreat was in two days, two weeks, two weeks, and I thought, wow. Much better timing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, God has definitely has a plan, so... What I can say is I was really afraid to make that phone call. I was finally being able to talk about my retreat to other people, and now I'm going to talk about it to a stranger. And a wonderful woman, Regina Rivas, answered that phone that Monday morning, and she was kind and compassionate and understanding. She told me everything was going to be okay. 
and she told me that God loved me. Mm-hmm. God loves me no matter what. So as I went through those next few weeks, I really was looking forward to the retreat, but also fearful at the same time, but had to really just give it over to God. God, you need me to heal for a reason. What is it? What is it that you need me to do? And as we did that, oh, my gosh, that first night, that Friday when I walked through the door, I can honestly tell you the person that walked out on Sunday was a far different person that walked in on Friday. Yeah. I, I saw throughout what's really lovely about the retreat is it is a it's scriptural therapy. It is so lovely because everything points us back to God. Everything points us back to what does God, how does he want to utilize this to glorify him? Mm-hmm. And as I sat there and this black spot in my heart that just really, I could see it diminishing away. I didn't even know it was there. It was diminishing away day after day, moment after moment after every activity. And I could not believe I see that as an amazing miracle. And not only for myself, but every single person who can heal and who will allow themselves to heal. One thing regarding healing is I didn't realize I wasn't able to grieve. I was so ashamed of what I'd done by not talking about what my abortion. I was so ashamed I didn't give myself, I didn't give myself the grace that God has given me to heal. Yeah, It is... Once I was able to get through that and get through that retreat, I know as I came to know my son, God began that healing, and then that at that moment is when that grief process started. As I left that retreat, I just really thought, all right, I know there is more, so God has actually utilized that. As the grieving has began, which was back in 2017, I know now, as I see my own children, as they, are, they have grown and they are adults, as we hit any major milestone, any major event in our family's lives, that is another time of grieving. But I have to say, when we think about grief, you know, we think of it sometimes as a burden, but no, that is, it's allowing me, even as of today, I am still grieving yeah. the loss of my son. And... I just have to know that God is taking me through this, and he's usually using every single time I grieve more healing, but also to glorify him. Yeah, amen. I'm thinking of the person that's listening right now, man, woman, and... And, and there's the, the Holy Spirit is urging them to, to, to sign up. And I, I'm guessing in most cases it's not like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going to sign up. I'm going to call that. There's more, you know, fear, apprehension. Maybe I got to, this means I got to tell somebody, like, like in your case, only several people knew. You know, speak to that person that, that's listening right now who's thinking like, you know, maybe they they, they, they want to turn the radio off because they don't, they, you know, no, this is hitting a little too close to home. And, 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 and you know, uh, there's you know, a lot of conflicting thoughts. What would you say to that person right now who's, who's a little confused and thinking that, that this is really me, but I'm not sure if, if I can do this? Absolutely. What I say to that person is every single one of us were there. Every, every question that you have. The fact of the matter is you are worthy. You are so worthy of healing. And we know that sometimes healing is hard. If we've ever had a broken bone, if we've ever had anything need to heal in our bodies, yeah, it takes time. 
but our souls and our hearts are so worth that phone call. And it's just a phone call. Yeah. Make that phone call. It's not, let's look at the big picture. What is that weekend going to look like? Let's take that first step. Yeah. Just take it. I, and this is the reason, Dave, I'm so happy that you asked that. Because this is the reason that I absolutely believe God placed it in me that weekend back in October of 2017 to begin healing. And so that we can reach out to those amazing brothers and sisters in Christ who are hurting so much. There is so much pain, and sometimes, like myself, I really blocked out where that pain even came from. Yeah, yeah, amazing. So I give, I urge anyone, make that phone call. It's so, so, so much easier than thinking about the bigger picture. But also know that God believes that you are worthy of healing. And that's what it comes down to. Yeah, Thank you very much. That's yeah. a beautiful testimony, and also I love the encouragement that you give to people who are out there um, that are that are listening and considering this, or feel like the Holy Spirit is uh, is encouraging them. The, the, the nudge two one four five four four two two seven three two one four five four four care. You can also email healing at racheldallas dot org. Marjorie Looney, uh, beautiful testimony. Um, Bernice, let me come back to you. We have a few minutes remaining in the program, and. Uh, your thoughts, I know you you know Marjorie's story very well, but uh, maybe just talk about, uh, from your perspective as a counselor, uh, maybe speak to these people, and maybe some of the details, what, what's the next step? Okay. Well, first, I'd kind of like to speak to that question you asked that, that Marjorie, you so wonderfully answered about why go ahead and call when you, if you're feeling something. Um, we have a tendency to seek to try and avoid pain because we're mm-hmm. made from good for good by good. So we naturally pursue good, but sometimes the true pursuit of true good means going through the pain that's the paschal mystery and so right now if you're feeling something but it feels more like trepidation and fear and angst um, i encourage you to push through that and it's perhaps especially after we've experienced something so painful as an abortion we get used to avoiding pain avoiding pain because we don't want to face that Mm -hmm. and and true healing is going through that pain in order to heal through grief one of the basic first steps of processing through grief is to feel the pain of the grief the longer Mm -hmm. you avoid the feeling the more struggles that causes for you and when you accept the reality of the loss you feel the pain you spend some time with it that's the process of healing and so if right now you're feeling the possibility of pain i encourage you to embrace that like christ embraced the cross because new life comes after that and the rachel's vineyard is a beautiful way to bring you to that and it's okay if you seek to avoid the pain because we're made from good for good by good i just encourage you to remember that sometimes it's going through the pain of the grief process of acknowledging the loss accepting the reality feeling the pain And Rachel's allows you to do that additional step that grief is necessary for grief processing and healing is to you get to develop an endearing relationship with your loved one, that Mm -hmm. beautiful child. You don't have to act like it didn't exist. You don't have to try and get amnesia. You can embrace it and continue through life now with a relationship and an open relationship like Marjorie gets to have with your child Whereas before, you kept having to keep it quiet. Yeah, And yeah. so the more we stuff things and keep it quiet and don't handle it behaviorally in a healthy way, the more we cause damage to ourselves, and that le- leaves us less capable of having healthy relationships then. And so sometimes we might think we're fine, but we're wondering why 
are we not like receiving joy in things? Why do we have broken relationships? Um, and that's often because the grief that we're feeling is not able to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. And like when Marjorie was saying that she was able to finally tell her story, that's accepting the reality of the existence of her son and the reality of the loss. She can accept it and feel it now. And through Rachel's, Rachel, she was able to develop an endearing relationship. And as she's here, I would say, Marjorie, you, you get to have that, that life-giving relationship with your son where with him, hand-in-hand, hand, you're bringing great good to lots of people. Yeah. So that death experience, now new life is coming from it. And it's self-healing and other healing. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time, but I appreciate both of you being here. It's great to have you in studio. And thank you uh, both Bernice Simmons, professional counselor and therapist for Rachel's Vineyards Retreats. And Marjorie Looney shared, uh, shared her story about the grief of abortion and, uh, more importantly, the, uh, the, the, the grace of God, in, which has brought her to where she is now in uh, relationship with your son, like you said, and, and what a beautiful uh, story that is. Uh, the retreat is going to be in English. It's for uh, men or women or couples, anybody who's been wounded in any way, whether it was yesterday or you know, 30, 40 years ago, uh, from abortion. March 18th through 20th, Friday evening, ends on Sunday afternoon. Uh, the call is confidential, and as Marjorie said, it's just a call. You don't by calling, you're not committed. You can just talk to somebody and, and see if it's a it's a good fit for you. Two one four five four four two two seven three two one four five four four care, uh, or you can email healing at racheldallas.org. Healing at racheldallas.org. We literally have about thirty seconds, but is there anything that 